time keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Tuesday, July 25th, 2023. The Feast of St. James the Greater. Praise be to God. One of the apostles, the son of Zebedee and Salome, and the brother of St. John the Evangelist. Did you know that? I bet you didn't. He was also the first apostle to receive the crown of martyrdom. Um, foreshadowing. We're going to be bringing that up at the gospel coming up in just a second. He was the first one to receive the crown of martyrdom. His head was chopped off by King Herod himself. He became the patron saint of Spain. Why, you may ask? Because of his many trips to Spain where he converted Spain to the Catholic faith, going to Saragossa, going to many other places around Cadiz and many places throughout Spain, Granada, as well as others like Galicia. So Our Lady then appeared to him in Spain and a, as a pillar, this ginormous pillar appeared with Our Lady on top and a lily sprouted from the pillar that was on fire and it was had the most beautiful flames and Our Lady was transparent, almost like snow with a delicacy and beauty greater than silk. She would stand there to pray and her hands were joined together. And a long veil went from her head all the way to her feet and lightly touched her where there are five rays of light from that lily. Now, this was the origin of Our Lady of the Pillar or Virgen de Pilar. And this is where we get the Virgin Our Lady of the Pillar. And after this, St. James received an interior locution that told him to build a church on that site. And so to this day, the church stands still. Now, uh, he eventually went off to his death, but not before they attempted to kill him a dozen times and was protected. And so by that, we learn that when our Lord wants you to die, it's time for you to die. When he doesn't want you to die, you're not going to die. And so that's something very much to keep in mind. Now, the last thing to keep in mind is that even after his death, the Spanish people had an amazing devotion to St. James the Greater. Why? Because he, during the fight against the Muslims, St. James would appear. He was known as Santiago Matamoros because he would appear among the, the Spanish conquistadors to fight off the Muslim invaders. And he appeared winning to going through and slaying the Moors. And so they called him the Matamoros. And this is uh, something what happened was every single time that they were in battle, and especially whenever they were in a situation where they were in grave danger, the Spanish reconquistadors would shout, Santiago, Santiago, whenever they would be fighting. And for many of these crusaders, the last words on their mouth was Santiago, Santiago, before they died. And what a beautiful, beautiful thing to enter into the kingdom of heaven having those words, that invocation, uh, Santiago Matamoros, on your mouth. So let's pray to St. James that he give us courage to fight against the enemy and to have the strength and devotion to Our Lady that he did and that his brother, St. John the Evangelist, did. St. James the Greater, pray for us. 
Uh, joining us right now is Rudy Carlos. Good morning to you, Rudy. Hey, good morning, Adrian. What do you think would be your last words? What do you want them to be? Mm. It's got to be something epic, like Santiago. Honestly, probably uh, show yourself a mother. If I had show to say something, yourself a mother. thinking uh, yeah. Our Lady of Guadalupe, let's go, uh, Juan Diego. Uh, that's probably what I what I would say. I think that's at least hopefully, hopefully, God willing, something yeah. like that. Some kind of invocation of Our Lady is my, is my desire. Yeah, I think so too. I think I would take that. It's the safest thing, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm gonna be betting Time on well spent, right? <laughs> if I'm gonna be betting on something, I'm like, okay, well, maybe uh, if I can bet on Our Lady, that would be the the best opportunity for me. Yeah. But no, it's it's a good, it's good, it's so good to uh, to think about our deaths, to prepare for our deaths, because mm-hmm. um, so many times we uh, we fail to do so correctly, and I think that's a uh, that's no bueno. It's no bueno. We need to think more about not just this life, but the next. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was uh, reading or actually listening to the story of a soul. Again, I mentioned that in the after show. I'm listening to that on Spotify. If you have Spotify, you can listen to it there. But uh, yeah, St. Therese, she was talking about as a child, she would meditate upon death and she would go into uh, interior contemplation about death. And she would say that, well, while I was thinking about these things, I was actually praying. And it was so inspiring to me yesterday to hear that. Because as a young child, thinking about these things, well, it's, it, that's probably a reason why she's a saint. She had uh, an eternal uh, mindset. Yeah, yeah. They say, uh, keep the four last things in the forefront of your mind, mm, and you'll yeah. never sin. Amen. And so think about that. Death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Think about those. one of those things today. Every day, choose one of those and think about it, meditate upon it. But before we uh, go any further on that, I want to say good morning to Catholic Spirit Radio and everyone in the Guadalupe Radio Network. Good morning to you. Also, I just wanted to make sure that I remember to let you know that Sammy Rodriguez Jr., the president of the Guadalupe Radio Network, wants to share an inspiring and encouraging message with you during these trying times. So look out for a letter from Sammy in the coming days, which will reveal valuable insights for daily growth. And if you don't receive it, please reach out to Sammy at grnonline at grnonline.com. So email Sammy at grnonline at grnonline.com, and he'll happily send you one. And make sure you let me know that you got one. I'd be very curious if you got it and what you thought about it. So make sure you do that. I'd be very grateful to hear from you. At 15 past the hour, Texas governor tells Biden, see you in court. That's going to be, uh, that was a fun thing. We talked a little bit about it yesterday, but something developed over the last 24 hours. And at 30 past the hour, uh, tell me if this sounds familiar, abortion supporters body slam, throw coffee on pro-life side with counselor outside D.C. Planned Parenthood. I guess we can expect the FBI to knock down this person's door. Uh, we'll see about that. Oh, yeah, at 45 past the hour, the teacher's union boss joins a banned book tour giving away free graphic porn to kids. Yikes. Yeah, that's... Did you know that was happening? Uh, Maybe not let your kids be around these teachers' unions. Just saying. In the next hour, Adam Bly is coming on with us. Speaking of demons, um, we're going to be talking to Adam Bly about the demonic. It'll be a good conversation there. And as always, we have our Fear and Trembling game show. And I've got to say... It's a really good prize. Coolest prize we've probably <laughs> really ever had cool. in a very long time. I'm trying to think call. about which prize would be cooler. I think this no. might be the coolest prize we've this ever is had. The coolest one. So you're going to want to call in and you're going to want to tune in for Fear and Trembling in the next hour. But let's begin with prayer. We are going to pray for your intentions. Whatever you have going on in your life today, we're praying for that. 
We pray for our friends, our family, our benefactors, and all those we promise to pray for, and we unite our sufferings with the sufferings of Christ, for the salvation of souls, and the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church in the end of child trafficking. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. O my God, I beg of thee, in union with the Immaculate Heart of Mary, through the merits of the precious blood offered to thee in every sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, to grant that this day one sinner may be converted, one mortal sin be averted, one soul in doubt be converted to truth, one soul about to die in sin receive the grace of repentance and a happy death and deliverance of that soul in purgatory which is nearest heaven. I wish by this offering to console the heart of Jesus in agony for souls lost through the teaching of error against the true church of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. May thy blood, O Lord, be my salvation. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Here are your headlines this morning. The Daily Wire says, cold showers. Now the Biden administration is coming for your home water heater. You're not going to be taking cold showers, uh, at least not for penance. A new Department of Energy proposal would enact more stringent efficiency requirements, compelling manufacturers to update both electric and gas water heaters with new technology. The new guidance would save Americans money, according to Secretary of Energy Jennifer Granholm. She says replacing traditional water heaters, meaning the proposed levels, would save consumers $1,868 on average over the life of the appliance, with savings even higher for renters and low-income households who spend higher percentages of their income on utility bills. Breitbart reports Mexico replaces China as top U.S. trading partner. Manufactured goods were a key element to Mexico's growing trade with the United States, accounting for $234 billion worth of the $263 billion volume for the first four months of 2023. Trade with Mexico now covers 15.4% of all U.S. imports and exports. Mexico's rise to the top spot was driven by fractious U.S. relations with China, U.S. tariffs imposed on Chinese goods in 2018, and pandemic-era supply chain disruptions that altered international trade and investment flows worldwide. I remember those days quite well. And Catholic News Agency reports Jesuit Superior blames Vatican norms for blocking harsher penalties for Rupnik. The former superior of the now-expelled Father Marco Rupnik has stated that internal procedures at the Vatican prevented the Jesuit order from prosecuting the disgraced artist-priest more vigorously for his sexual, spiritual, and psychological abuse of several women. Thus says the former Jesuit superior, Father Verschuren, responding to criticisms that Rupnik is still is a priest. The Vatican strengthened its laws to criminalize clerical abuse of adults in June 2021, but did not retroactively apply them to reported acts of abuse committed by Rupnik between 1985 and 2018 that had been found credible by the Jesuits' investigative team. Those were your headline news this morning. Keep it dialed in on Catholic Drive Time for more. The Gospel of the Day comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, verses 20 through 28. Now, this passage is a passage for the Feast of St. James. So what is it about? It's about St. James and his brother, John the Evangelist, asking our Lord if they can sit at his right and his left hand. Now, someone might say, well, no, no, no. What happens is the mother asks, but, you know, Cornelius Lapide, when he comments on this, actually says our Lord refers to them asking. Why? Because... They, the reason why the mother is asking 
is because they're sun ass. Now, Cornelius Lapide, quoting St. Jerome, tells us that the mother is not at fault here because she's doing this out of love for her sons. She's doing this out of piety for her sons, and she just does not know better. She doesn't realize what she's asking for. So in verse 20, it says, Then came to him the mother of the son of Zebedee with her sons, adorning and asking something of him. Now, it's also interesting to note that these people are related to our Lord. They're cousins of our Lord. And St. James and St. John the Evangelist are both cousins of our Lord. And now verse 21, it said, what, Who said to her, What wilt thou? She saith to him, Say that these my two sons may sit the one on thy right hand and the other on thy left in thy kingdom. And Jesus answered, saying, You know not what you ask. Can you drink the chalice that I shall drink? They say to him, We can. Now, this is how we know that this is coming from St. James and St. John, and it's not just the mother coming out here asking just because she wants it. She's interceding for her sons. Because in our Lord, hearing his mother say it, he turns to the apostles and says, Can you drink the chalice that I shall drink? And they say to him, We can. Now, this is a great <laughs> arrogance of James and John. They're like, Oh, yeah, we could do that. Yeah, we uh, understand. Mm-hmm. We get it. I totally can do that. But they do not understand. Our Lord tells them, You don't understand. You know not what you ask. So what are they asking for? They're asking for martyrdom. And it's interesting to note, looking at the deaths of James and John, how this relates here. Because they ask to sit at the right and the left. And what happens? James is the one with the most zeal for the conversion of souls. And he travels everywhere, going as far as Spain to convert souls. And they try to kill him over and over and over again. And they fail until he becomes the first martyr among the apostles. So he ends up dying first. And then John the evangelist, they try to kill him and they boil him. They boil him in frying oil. And what happens he is actually rejuvenated in youth and ends up living to be 101 years old, living on the island of Patmos. And the cup that he had to drink was the fact that he was deprived of our Lord and our Lady for so long, those who he loved the most. And he lived so long without them. A great tragedy indeed. Now, lastly here, Cornelius Lapide says that this is the mistake they're making is looking for an earthly kingdom when they should be looking for a heavenly one and asking for the seat that they did not merit yet. And so our Lord does not tell them that, no, you can't have it. Or he doesn't say, no, these people are going to get it. Instead, he says, whosoever will be the greater among you, let him be your minister. So that tells us we can have that seat. How? by doing the will of God in all things. We'll be right back. Hey, Donnie, when we see Christ on the cross, what do we call that? A crucifix. And who said, preach Christ and Him crucified? St. Paul. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, since every religion claims to be true, well, then none of them are true? Even though this is not a very intelligent comment, it does not prevent people from saying it. G.K. Chesterton says probably one of the creeds is right and the others are wrong. Logically, most of the views must be wrong. 
But there's nothing logical to the idea that all must be wrong. Think about betting on a horse. Many people bet on the wrong horse, but some bet on the right horse. And sometimes even the favorite has been known to come in first. But that's the point. Something comes in first. The fact that there are many beliefs does not destroy the fact that there is one well-founded belief. So don't say that the variety of beliefs prevents you from accepting any beliefs. It's not logical. And it's not a very good way to bet either. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrienne Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. It's always good to be here on Catholic Radio, despite all the bad news that's in the headlines. It's still good to be here, nonetheless. Nonetheless. <laughs> it's good to be here at uh, 17 past the hour. Um, you know, it's funny because the situation in Texas was uh, kind of funny to me. I just kind of find the story really amusing. It's really interesting because I'm looking at it and you're like, oh, this is not going to be good. But I, I, it's funny. I. I don't really like Governor Abbott that much. I'm not what? the biggest Abbott fan. Really? Yeah. And yet, I really like what he's doing here. I'm really impressed. I, I was really, I get kind of fed up with Abbott because he has this pattern of doing nothing as governor and putting out some good laws and then not enforcing them. And, and then, then everyone disobeys him. And then he just like, oh, I guess I can't do anything. I'm just the executive. And well, does I nothing. tried. Well, I tried. <laughs> and then right before election time, he does all this really good stuff. He does like comes out, does all this pro-life stuff, does all these things. And you're like, oh yeah, go Abbott. And it's kind of a, it's kind of the same pattern he does over and over again. It's so interesting you mentioned that, Adrian. So you dislike him because he's a politician. Yeah, mm. that's exactly right. Very interesting. <laughs> and, but this, I was really impressed by. Like, uh, Biden, uh, not Biden, Greg, Greg Abbott is standing up and defending his positions. And I am blown away. I'm very impressed. And so the article here, Texas Governor Greg Abbott will not remove floating barrier despite Justice Department's lawsuit threat. Mm. I honestly thought that he was going to cave. I thought he was going to be like, oh, well, I guess we can't do it anymore. <laughs> but no, Texas Governor Greg Abbott has refused an order by the Department of Justice, the DOJ, to remove floating border security bar barriers in the Rio Grande River. The barriers were erected by Texas in July to address illegal border crossings. But the DOJ threatened to sue the state, claiming the barriers violated the U.S. River and Harbors Act. Abbott responded by stating that Texas would not comply with the order and that the cited section of the act did not apply. He emphasized the rights of states to maintain their defense under both the U.S. and Texas constitutions. Abbott's letter to President Biden also highlighted the danger of illegal river crossings and urged the administration to enforce immigration laws to prevent loss of life, curb drug trafficking and human trafficking. The Biden administration has not yet responded to Abbott's letter. Now, you didn't even mention the best part. Okay. So another article on the same subject mentioned that he was going to come to Houston and take all the alligators and put them in the Rio Grande. <laughs> right. Just kidding. Right. I made that one. <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> that would be uh, that would be a little concerning, to be yeah, honest. That would be a little, <laughs> a little scary, right? <laughs> No, but uh, what I, my favorite thing is that Abbott wrote in his letter, 
Texas will see you in court, Mr. President. Ooh. I was like, man, that's a money quote right there. That's a money <laughs> quote right there. Texas will see you in court, Mr. I, my, all my Texas pride is like welling up right now. Oh, man. And so it's, it's, it's too much. It's too much. <laughs> Abbott wrote this statement to express that Texas would not comply with the DOJ's order to remove them. And he says, quote, your ongoing violation of Article 4, Subsection 4 of the U.S. Constitution has left me no other choice. Abbott stated that his actions were taken out of sovereign interests and to protect Texas's borders, emphasizing his responsibility as commander in chief of the state's militia. This is amazing. Mm. The, the, the fact that governors are now start talking as if they're governors of the state. This is good because the whole problem with um, America pretty much post civil war was a destruction of tech of state rights. And this has destroyed any kind of subsidiarity and understanding that the governor is the commander in chief of the state's militia. He is, in fact, in charge. He's kind of like a tiny king. He's a small king of your state that you kind of elect. And so this is a is a is a good step in the right direction, because I've said this over and over again. We have laws in this country. We have to enforce them. And it's the duty of the federal government to enforce the laws. And if they don't, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to do nothing. Was to just let people violate the law, break the law left and right. We're a country of laws. If you don't have laws, you don't have a country. Yeah, that's true. And I'm, we've talked about this also with our, our good friend Brent Haynes. You know, he's talked about the 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 way that the the courts sort of don't impose the proper punishment for certain mm-hmm. lawbreakers, right? And you know, I was talking to him the other day, and he was saying, well, you know, a couple cases got thrown out. So, yeah, we do have a problem here of enforcing the law. And I think this is a great opportunity for those people who are coming over here. First off, I don't understand why you would want to come over here in the first place. You know, <laughs> like they say that this is a land of opportunity. Yeah, maybe on a, a very surface level, you can live a little bit better. You could have the latest and greatest, like super expensive, cheap Chinese shoes, you know, you can have the greatest Nikes and clothes and stuff like that. But is your life really going to be all that much better over here? I think I think that this is a great, a great opportunity for them to rethink the the journey that they're about to go into. Well, personally, I'd like to be in America, but well, I do, too. Um, What I'm saying is I I think that uh, it's not as bad in Mexico as. Oh, I see. You know what I mean? People make it out to be certainly. I think that uh, that it's not we have to let people know that there are major risks coming to America. Absolutely. And that's the problem here, because one of the things that the lawyers from President Biden said was basically that this is a humanitarian crisis, that you are abusing these people. But Governor Abbott actually did a really good job of addressing this. He said, while I share the humanitarian concerns noted in your lawyer's letter, Mr. President, your finger points in the wrong direction. Neither of us wants to see another death in the Rio Grande River. Yet your open border policies encourage migrants to risk their lives by crossing illegally through the water instead of safely and legally at a port of entry. Nobody drowns on a bridge. And I thought that was a great way to put that. And he goes on later in the in the letter and says, if you truly care about human life, you must begin enforcing federal immigration laws. By doing so, you can help me stop migrants from wagering their lives in the waters of the Rio Grande River. You can also help me save Texans and indeed all Americans from deadly drugs like fentanyl, 
cartel violence and the horrors of human trafficking. And this is exactly right. This is exactly right. People like to disguise their beliefs under a guise of humanitarianism, as a guise of, oh, we just got to care for them. We got to be sympathetic. We need to have empathy for these people. It's not sympathetic to allow criminals to come into our country. It's not sympathetic to let a naive people who are following these coyotes, giving $7,000 to these coyotes to bring them across the River Grande where they already have their money and now they're going to just die on the way to America. It's not sympathetic. It's not charitable. It's not loving. This is not the case. And this is a very, very large problem. So I think people need to recognize this and not just cave in to this idea that everything is hunky-dory and we should just let uh, bygones be bygones and just have no borders. A very concerning situation. So this other story that I think is very interesting and worthy of conversation is a story that came out from the Daily Wire. Now, this story is uh, concerning in the sense that there is... Um, these things happening on university campuses. But at the same time, there's actually a lot of hope here. A lot of, uh, it's almost good news, to be honest. Uh, STEM students troll woke LGBT survey. Researchers blame rise of online fascism, quoted by the Daily Wire. Academic researchers at Oregon State University were shocked to receive irreverent and offensive responses from college students participating in their LGBT survey aimed at undergraduate students in STEM fields. Out of 349 survey responses, approximately 15% of them were malicious respondents containing slurs, hate speech, and targeting of the research team. Some of the responses <laughs> some of the responses were sarcastic and absurd with students identifying as things like aerosol, airplane, pansexual attack helicopter, and kangs. <laughs> <laughs> this is the uh, this is the correct response to these kind of things the correct response to these kind of things is mockery and derision because it is something that is worthy of mockery and derision uh, they used humor and provocative language to mock the survey the researchers offered a five dollar amazon gift card as compensation for participating and one student humorously identified as identify as a gift card with an ethnic gift card disability. <laughs> <laughs> and so this uh, this is very good. So the, the bad news is, is that, one, they're doing this, and two, that it was only 15% of the response responses. The good news is, is there is more and more people willing to stand up against these ideologies. They're more willing to be public about it, whereas before, if someone disagreed with it, they would bury their head in the sand and just pretend, like, look into your show, left over, look to your left. They look to the right and be like, yeah, I, I, I don't agree with LGBT stuff. I, I, not that I think it's bad or anything, but I, I just don't agree with it personally. And that's kind of the position that everybody held because they were terrified of being labeled a homophobe, of being labeled a bigot. But yeah. now people are fed up. Students don't care anymore. People don't care anymore. And this is a good sign. Laughter is war. What are we just talking about this, Adrian, that mm -hmm. you have to laugh at these things? That's the proper response is to laugh at the absurdity that these people are presenting in these college campuses. This is a, this is a good story because uh, it gives me a little bit of hope that not, all, not every single college student is buying into this crazy agenda. Yeah, resus es bellum. Yeah. Laughter is war. And it's funny because what happens here? 
they start calling them all fascists. And everybody's like, oh, everybody's a fascist. Oh, I guess, uh, I guess I'm a fascist. <laughs> Whatever. Don't care. And this is the problem with the left constantly throwing out accusations against people is that it literally means nothing anymore. You can call me a fascist. You can call me a homophobe. You can call me a bigot. You can call me a misogynist. I don't care. It just doesn't mean anything to me anymore. Your opinion means nothing. I do not care at all. And it's funny because they have pushed people so hard and they have labeled people so hard that they have disregarded human respect, which is their strongest tool. Their strongest tool in their arsenal was the fact that most people have a desire to be accepted by the community. They desire human respect. They want prestige. And they realized once you started labeling people this for just saying very innocuous things, very small things, like just disagreeing a little bit, like, it's just my opinion. I, I just disagree per privately. And they start bombasting you where they're like, well, now that I'm already a fascist, well, then why don't I just tell you everything I believe? <laughs> um, and so this is a very, very miscalculation on the part of the revolution. And it's a very good sign that we're seeing this in college campuses. Yeah. I mean, don't get me started on moon landing. <laughs> I mean, once you get me going, uh, it's over, <laughs> then it's over, but no, I mean, this is very good. I'm glad this is happening. We should, uh, encourage laughter to these things. Uh, many people will say, no, no, you shouldn't laugh at these kind of things. That's mean. It might hurt people's feelings. Um, no, the correct answer is you have to laugh at things that are ridiculous. That's literally why it's called ridiculous. It literally comes from the word to ridicule or to laugh at. It's something that is laughable. And to show something that is laughable, to say that something is laughable, is ridiculous, to say that is to say that it's not even worthy of discussion. It's not even worthy of a debate. And that's what they did to us. They were like, oh, you're a Christian? <laughs> people still believe in God? <laughs> and they laugh at people. And so people will try to keep that privately. It shames them into it. The same thing has to be done in reverse. Shame is good whenever you shame bad things. Shame is bad when you shame good things. Keep that in mind and meditate on that today. Shame can, in fact, be a good thing. Uh, when we come back, we're talking about a pro-lifer that was attacked. Will the FBI attack them? Mm, we'll find out. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. If Jesus brought two of the greatest Old Testament saints to meet with three of the greatest New Testament saints at the Mount of Transfiguration, can you say with any assurance that they were not alive, aware, and able to communicate? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. Luke 9 says, quote, Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Did you catch that? They were talking with Jesus. That means they have cognitive capability. Secondly, heavenly friends. Those in heaven long for your prayer requests. Their intercession far exceeds your best friend's prayers here on earth. Sorry to say that. And thirdly, a pesky comeback. Well, Oral Roberts University has the prayer tower. TBN has a prayer department. Your home church probably has a prayer hotline. Well, guess what? Heaven has on-demand, pure, unselfish prayer warriors known as the great cloud of witnesses. They're waiting on you. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I love the shows with the Catholic apologists. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day -day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popchek. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take on how to deal with day-to-day -day reality. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. 
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines. This one is from LifeSite. The headline is, Catholic Campaign for Human Development Goes Silent After Its Funding for Pro-LGBT, Pro-Abortion Organizations Was Exposed. Last November, the Lepanto Institute published a report saying that over 30% of organizations receiving funding from the CCHD from 2020 to 2021 were in violation of Catholic moral teaching. Over the weekend, the Lepanto Institute received a letter from Bishop Timothy Sr., current chairman for the subcommittee of the Catholic Campaign for Human Development, slamming the door on any discussion regarding serious concerns related to CCHD grants while refusing to publish the most recent grants list. Please remember this next time they ask for your help at the collection plate. LifeSide News also reports baby with a rare complication undergoes successful surgery after Catholic parents refused abortion. Baby Bella was born on July 13th at 35 weeks gestation with an encephaly or encephalocele. Excuse me, I'm not a medical doctor. A sac that protrudes from the opening of the skull containing brain tissue and spinal fluid. Babies with the birth defect have about a 55% survival rate. After experiencing the shock of the diagnosis, Bella's parents would then endure repeated recommendations from physicians to end Bella's life in the womb. Bella has since undergone her first surgery, which resulted in the sex successful removal of the encephalocele. While the newborn has an, upborn, uh, an uphill battle ahead of her, her young parents attribute her birth and successful first surgery to the outpouring of prayers for their little girl. Please continue praying for Bella. Catholic Vote reports, leftist target Catholic lawyer who helped overturn Roe. Leonard Leo, a practicing Catholic, is the co-chairman and former executive vice president of the Federalist Society. The originalist legal organization was instrumental in the vetting, nomination, and confirmation processes of several of the justices in the Supreme Court's 6-3 majority, which overturned Roe. Over three dozen protesters gathered outside Leo's house last Saturday to heckle his family with threatening signs. And those were all your headlines this morning. May God bless all of your holy efforts today. Back to you, Adrian. All of the headlines? I was every single All headline. of the ones that are important. Oh, okay. Just okay. the important ones. Oh, okay. I was thinking there was literally every single the, headline. The non-obvious, on the nose, oh, okay. hey, look over here kind of headlines, those aren't in there. Oh. But the ones that you need to know are right in there. Are right in there. Every morning, two every times morning. a day. Wow. Praise be to God. That's amazing. At 30 past the hour. At 30 past the hour. You're saying at 30 past the hour. That, okay. Well, there, praise be to God. There, now, now you know. <laughs> now you know. Uh, what's going on? You don't in even the have to look today. up. And don't look even at the clock. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. You know, there's a this story out of LifeSite News. I thought was really concerning. Which I don't know if you saw the video for that. It was kind of disturbing to see the. It, it really. I mean, it's just so. It's crazy to think that. Imagine if this was the roles were reversed, and it's kind of funny because people make fun of that, like, oh, <laughs> the role. Imagine if the roles were reversed. It's like, well. It is interesting to think about. It's interesting to think about the fact that we have this two-tier justice system, and it has nothing to do with wealth or class or status. You can be you can be a celebrity. You could be a millionaire. You could be a billionaire. You could be poor. They don't care. It's about political view. Mm. It's about political view. You can be anything you want as celebrity, rich, famous. You could be poor. Doesn't matter. Do you hold to leftist orthodoxy? LifeSite News reports that abortion supporters body slam, throw coffee on pro-life sidewalk counselors outside D.C. Planned Parenthood. On a Saturday morning, abortion supporters attacked two pro-life activists 
who were sidewalk counseling outside of Planned Parenthood's mega abortion center in Washington, D.C. The incident involved a woman throwing coffee in one activist's face and hair. And when another activist tried to intervene, he was assaulted by her male partner. Despite video evidence of the attack, D.C. police refused to press charges. What's the... um, the through line for today, Rudy. Like, what what are we noticing here in, in around America today? Hey, weren't those the same police officers who went uh, against the the people who discovered the massive uh, refrigerator full of baby parts mm. in D.C.? Mm. Interesting, interesting, mm. isn't that? Isn't that the same D.C. police who uh, still have not figured out where who planted the pipe bombs on January sixth? Do you remember oh, that's that? Right. Was that memory hold? Was it also the same police officers who uh, let the protesters into the Capitol building? Oh yeah. Huh. huh. Isn't that strange? No, no, no. Sorry. It can't those possibly were the, be. Those were the ushers. I'm sorry. Those the <laughs> Never ushers. mind. Never mind. <laughs> it's crazy because we these the police refuse to press charges. That's their job. Yeah. That's literally their job. They literally, the D.C. police, the FBI, and so on and so forth, tracked down people across America to arrest them for crimes, quote-unquote, from January 6th. Yet there's obvious crime being committed right in the front of their faces, and they do nothing. Isn't that strange? Isn't that weird that they do that? It's now, like, if I was in the situation and somebody threw coffee at me, it would be egregious. It would be even worse if that cup of coffee was from Starbucks. Mm, yeah. I think I would be more offended. You know, I, I'm trying to like, I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, what, how, what would I would have done? What, what would I do if that was the case? If, <laughs> if they had dumped coffee on my face, I hope to God that I would just take it and just stand there. But I think I might just like lose it. It's just like, <laughs> like I, I, it was a woman, so I don't think I would fight a woman. But then he had a, a male partner who body slammed someone else, and then are you sure it was a woman? Then, well, that's a good point. You never know. Did you just assume? I did assume their. their I did assume their gender. Their that's gender? true. Whoops, I did that's too. True. Uh, the anti-abortion activists belong to a progressive anti-abortion uprising (PAAU) a group that aligns itself with liberals on other issues, including supporting Black Lives Matter and trans rights. So maybe they were a tranny. I don't know. Mm-hmm. In addition to the attack outside Planned Parenthood, other members of PAAU faced trouble in the, Colum- in the Columbia Heights neighborhood of D.C. when protesters arrived, and one made anti-black statements to the street vendors. The situation escalated, and the protesters knocked literature off their table, threw it in the trash, and even threw it at one of the PAAU staff members' faces. The PAAU members were faced, have faced law enforcement scrutiny due to their activism, with some being charged with allegedly violating the Freedom Access to Clinic Interests as Entrances Act. And D.C. Mayor Mural Bowser has been reluctant to call for investigations into attacks on pro-life activists and instead suggested charges against PAAU members. This incident is one of several instances where pro-life activists have faced violence and hostility while exercising their rights to engage in peaceful sidewalk counseling and advocating for their cause. So, a very, very concerning situation. I, I think this is why I just cannot tell people, especially women, to do things by themselves. We live in such a crazy world that, one, if a woman is not, um, care, is not armed herself then she needs to be with a guy. She needs to be traveling with a guy, her husband, her brother, 
her son, whatever it may be, because people are insane. And if you're not uh, holding to leftist orthodoxy, if you go out to pray inside of an abortion clinic, who knows what will happen to you? Now, some places are better than others. Um, very that doesn't rarely happens in in Houston, for instance. These kind of things. The worst that will happen is um, people will scream at you, yell at you, give you the middle finger. Uh, but in many of these leftist cities, many of these leftist states, if you dare do something like I don't know, not want babies to be murdered, to be torn limb from limb, then you'll get attacked for that. And you might get physically attacked for that. And this is rising. And it's interesting because I was talking to Mr. Cesar about this with the TFP. And mm-hmm. they travel all across uh, the world, really, uh, doing these kind of things. And right now, they're actually on campaign right now. So I actually may invite them on whenever they get back to talk about their trip and doing campaigns across America. They have videos of this, by the way. If you're yes. not aware, you could look up TFP Student Action on YouTube, and you can see the kind of crazy, like, foaming-at-the-mouth leftists that come up to them. And it's interesting, though, because he was telling me how whenever they do these kind of thing in Brazil, it often results to violence. They attack them physically. Wow. Uh, people have tried to uh, chunk bricks at them. Someone snuck up behind them and struck one of the members with a brick across their head. Uh, one of them broke the teeth of a member because they ripped a, the trumpet out of his mouth. Um, and the, there's many things like that that happened in Brazil. He's saying in America, it's always been much more peaceful because of police presence. Typically they yell at you. They might spit on you, even throw a Coke at you, maybe uh, things like that. Uh, but very, very, very rarely has it ever gone to where someone tried to physically assault. That's happened a number of times, but uh, there's enough to, there's enough that maybe it's on, you can count it on two hands and that's across the entirety of America. And so it's always been more peaceful. But he was telling me how he thinks that we're going to get to the point where that's going to change. And in fact, um, he was telling me that some of the TFP members were learning to uh, do jujitsu and other martial arts and to try to stay in shape because they're expecting the heat to be turned up and for these things to become more like some of the other countries where there is more violence and less police protection. And it's very important. I mean, we, we love the police, especially whenever we do these campaigns, because I've been in situations where the left actually walked towards us as if they were going to attack us, but they didn't realize that the police were right across the street uh, waiting in their in the squad car, and they, as soon as they crossed the street, they turned on their sirens and started uh, talking over the phone, and they all backed up. And I was like, oh my goodness, if the police were not there, they would have attacked us. I would have like, had to crazy. do gun foo. <laughs> <laughs> So, very, very concerning situation. We don't like that. But coming up in just a second, Teachers Union giving out porn. Yikes. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. What does it take to constitute an actual church? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a gathering of Christians is not automatically a church. Although Matthew 18 says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in their midst. That is not a text to be interpreted as a premise for a church. That's a requirement to legitimize an accusation. Secondly, Catholic teaching. Christ established and sustains the church as both a mystical community and a visible organization with hierarchy and jurisdiction. And thirdly, my take. Eventually, you have to decide what one item is absolutely essential for our Lord to say, that's my church. So is it a church if there's simply a common belief in the Bible or perhaps just a doctrinal agreement? Is it compliance to the Apostles' Creed? Could it be the stamp of approval from a denomination? Maybe an ordained pastor makes it officially a church. So you know that place you've been attending every Sunday morning at 10 a.m.? Maybe it's not even a church. Maybe it's just a good, healthy hangout. Ooh. 
Hey, Donnie, who were the first two people God created? Adam and Eve. There you go. And what did we inherit from them? Original sin. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you. It's always good to be on with you. But do you know when the best time to be on with you is? Right now. Right now, exactly. <laughs> at, 45, at 45 past the hour, it is the best time because it's, it's right now. So, that's true. That is the best time. And there's 15 minutes left in oh, this yeah, hour. That's true. Till the that's next true. The... This reported out here, I thought was very concerning, and I was kind of surprised because I check a lot of news sources whenever I'm getting ready for the show, and I only saw this being reported by LifeSite News. Typically, it's like kind of the stories get picked up by a number of places, and maybe it just hasn't made the rounds yet, and by tomorrow, and more news outlets will pick it up. But this is very concerning. The teacher's union boss joins banned book tour giving away free graphic porn to kids. This is reported by LifeSite News. The president of America Federation of Teachers, the AFT, Randy Wingarten, is promoting a banned bookmobile. A banned bookmobile. How corny. A banned bookmobile tour that gives away books containing pornographic images to children. The tour was launched in response to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' ban on sexually explicit and inappropriate books in schools. One of the books being given away is Gender Queer, a memoir, which contains graphic images of many things. I, here's the problem. This you is know, why I didn't bring up the story. Okay, so here's the problem. <laughs> here's the problem. The problem is they do things that are so disgusting and so bad that you can't even bring it up in polite society. You can't yeah. put it on YouTube. You can't talk about it on the radio just because you know there might be kids listening. And it's, but it's that bad. It's so bad. Like whatever you're thinking of how bad it is, it's, it's worse. worse. It's, it's absolutely worse. worse than anything you could think of. And then now you're like, oh, maybe it's this. No, it's worse than that too. It's worse than that too. It is so bad. And you're thinking, okay, well, don't you tell me about it. That's gross. They're giving it to our kids. This is banned in, in Florida. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Ron DeSantis. What about your state? Is it banned in your state? Is it in your library? Is it in your classroom, your kid's classroom? Is the banned bookmobile going to be coming by your neighborhood to give your kids porn? It's just, it's it's so it's disgustingly bad. Like I can't even I can't even articulate without just telling you what it is. You know how bad it is. Being a dad, it is just so draining, just emotionally draining all the time to always be on guard. You know, I have a two-year-old daughter. She's very impressionable. Anything you say, anything you do, she can see it. She's very observant. And I just feel so wiped out every time because I'm just always on guard if we're at the park. Uh, what are the other kids saying? Uh, if we're at the park and we're passing through those uh, little uh, free uh, library things, you know, you go through and you're wondering, what's in there? I wonder if, if somebody's getting corrupted from this. We're, we're talking about uh, taking her to the library for the first time. And I had a serious conversation with my wife, and I said, look, I'm not really sure that this is a great idea. She's like, I know, but 
you know, it's a library. It's supposed to be it's supposed to be just a safe area where she could pick up books. And I said, I understand, but there's a lot of crazy stuff out there and we don't know what kind of stuff they're providing for our kids. So it's it's kind of a you know, it's it's kind of a depressing thing. But there are some libraries. Here's a little ray of hope in this horrendous story. There are some libraries like outside of Harris County here in, in Texas that actually are are curating and being very careful with the kinds of things that they have on there. But if you see this bookmobile coming through your town, I would have probably avoid bringing your kids near that. Not only that, not only that, but they should be like trying to arrest these people. They're giving pornography. That's sexual abuse. Yeah, you know, when people bring up the, you know, the past and they look at history and they say, well, look at these fascists. They burned books. I somewhat have a little bit of sympathy in that regard. Um, I think there's sure. plenty of books now that should be banned and burnt and never, ever reprinted. Amen. Among these are, are these books that are corrupting the innocence of youth, which is such a precious thing. You can never get back. Mm-hmm. And and they're in the forefront giving this away to your kids. And yeah, that's a hundred percent right. Once that's taken away, I mean, it's it. No, that's it's it. Gone. It's gone. And uh, Dan Kleiman of Safe Libraries called for the arrest of Weingarten, praise be to God, accusing her of partnering with the American Library Association to sexualize school kids. He pointed out that giving these books to kids outside of school is illegal as it violates laws prohibiting exposing minors to pornography. Now, what's the key? sentence here and what i just read to you giving these kids these books to kids outside of school is illegal what does that imply that if it's done in the context of a classroom it's legal do you realize how absurd that is do you realize how bad that is the fact that if they give this same book if some random guy comes up with this book to your kid at the playground and hands it to the, to your kid that guy can be arrested for child pornography. That guy can be arrested for sexual assault. That guy can be arrested for a number of things. He'd probably be put on a register. But if your teacher gives it to your kids in a classroom, then he's fine. No big deal. No legal action there. It's just education. This is so corrupt and so bad. I will never send my kids to a school, ever. Like these, It's so bad. And this has to be pushed in every single state, what Governor DeSantis is doing. And it's absolutely absurd that people are trying to trying to turn this into this kind of book banning thing. Like, oh, they're trying to not educate the kids. It's crazy. And it's crazy because the same people who are saying, oh, no, the book banning. Oh, no, they're Nazis. Oh, no, they're fascists. The same people who are doing that are also talking about rewriting To Kill a Mockingbird, are talking about replacing great works of literature because they're racist are talking about censoring the Bible and you're calling and you're calling us the book banners. You literally banned the Bible from the, from schools for years. The most foundational text of Western society, you've banned it from schools. And yet we are the book banners for saying, don't show pornography to our children absolute absurdity so if this is happening in your neck of the woods first you need to find out whether or not it's happening don't assume that it's not happening because it probably is it might be happening at your public library at your school system where your kids go to school it's maybe happening so look into it second think about pursuing legal action 
Maybe you can make a pretty penny out of it and get these people thrown in prison. And thirdly, get your kids out of these these things. Small towns, honestly, is what we have to go to. And use a small town, like we were talking before yesterday, small towns where you can control what's being put in libraries, what your teachers' unions are going to happen, what is being taught in the schools. You can have direct control over these things. And then, yes, of course, we're called to evangelize. Your kids aren't. Your kids are children. They're, they're called to grow up. They're called to have a childhood. You're called to go out and evangelize. You're called to, to convert people to the nations. So you take your kids. You put them in your communities. You have your safe spaces, which are legitimate safe spaces, not these woke safe spaces. Safe spaces where kids can be kids. And then you go out and evangelize. You go save nations. You go uh, convert every four corners of the earth to almighty God. Look, I know what we say oftentimes is so difficult to hear. It's difficult to hear as a parent, I imagine, because I grew up, you know, in a, a, a very fractured home. My, my parents weren't there all the time because they needed to work and provide for us kids. And so we were in public school. I know it's very difficult to hear this, but if you can sacrifice a little bit, if you can make it work to get your kids out of public school, now is the time because again you cannot get that innocence back and we can never be sure about the kinds of things that the kids are exposed to these days in uh, an environment like a school which is always supposed to be a safe place for children to learn to to have a, a healthy upbringing we can't guarantee that they're going to have that even in a catholic school even in a catholic school so it is absurd i know it sounds so difficult to hear but if you can make that sacrifice and you could save the innocence of your children, if you can do that, it's going to be worth it. Trust me. You know, my uh, my parents sacrificed a lot to send us to uh, Catholic school. And I think now my, my parents probably would have uh, homeschooled us instead. But the my, I mean, my parents, I think they're still paying off the loans that they took out to send me, my mm -hmm. brother and my yeah. sister all to private school. Like that was expensive, and I don't know. I mean, that's not the best financial decision, but they were thinking more about our souls, thinking about our education, thinking about wanting to send us to somewhere where we could have be have our souls protected. And I think that's a, that's a real serious concern, something that we have to keep in mind, because yeah, I mean, the world is after your children, and we have to be aware of it. We have to be vigilant. We cannot bury our heads in the sand and pretend like everything is hunky dory. And if we do pretend. There is a millstone waiting for us. That's true. That's true. That's a good point. The uh, We kind of bring this up. I brought this up yesterday about priests and religious. That's true about parents as well. Uh, priests and religious and bishops have an obligation to teach the truth. And so if they don't, they're committing a sin of omission. Parents have an obligation to educate, rear, and protect their children. And if they don't, they're going to have to answer to that. That's a sin of omission on their part. And that is something they will have to answer to for Almighty God, before Almighty God. So something definitely to keep in mind, if for nothing else. Now, when the last couple of seconds we have here, sticking on the same kind of theme here, a Catholic vote put out transgender service members permitted to skip deployments and weigh physical fitness standards. If transgender service members don't have to be deployed and don't have to have meet the physical standards, what's the point of having them again?
Well, I guess I'm trans when the draft comes around. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's crazy. The anybody it says trans identifying service members exemptions for physical fitness, grooming, and uniform requirements, which can be renewed every six months. They must also they may also avoid deployments while taking hormone pills for up to three hundred days. Oh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Unless po- it's tea, I'll take the tea. The policy offers taxpayer funded speech, hormone therapy, laser hair removal, vocal surgery, plastic surgery, surgery, mastectomies, genital mutilation surgeries, psychological counseling. Oh my goodness. This is where your money's going. This is what we're spending money on. Yeah. Yeah, this all this whole ideology has to be uprooted and destroyed completely. There can be no compromise with the LGBT mob. There could be no compromise. There is no middle ground. People are like, oh, well, uh, the virtue is in the mean. No, not in this case. The mean is to destroy the LGBT ideology entirely because this ideology is destructive to everything it touches. It destroys the military. It destroys our families. It destroys our children. It destroys everything it touches. There is no stone left untouched from the LGBT mob. And this is a very, very bad situation that we have to be aware of because they're going to continue to attack our military readiness. And if our military readiness is destroyed, what's to dissuade our enemies? Our enemies are laughing at us. So, yikes. When we come back, Adam Bly will be joining us. We're going to be talking about the demonic. We're going to be talking about the spirit world. What's going on on the spirit world coming up this Saturday? All new episode. Very interesting. We'll be right back with more right after this. It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. I need a mercy. I need a savior. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's heart, sufficient to enter and warrant heaven upon death? I say, no, it's not. Many evangelicals will say, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans, and when followed, heaven is promised. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Gospels, nor the Epistles, nor the Apostolic and early Church Fathers ever wrote anything like this mechanical approach. Secondly, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey honey, I'm really sorry, bring you back into the family? And thirdly, teaching of the Catholic Church, water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven is the surest way to God's eternal presence. And my pesky comeback, that Romans road is presumptuous and significantly dumbs down the holy value and price of salvation. And remember, that Romans road has some potholes. I actually was gone from the Catholic Church for 35 years. I want to get to heaven. I don't know if I will. I mean, I worry about it. But I not only want to get to heaven at the moment of my death, I want to find as much heaven as possible here on earth. So I need help 
I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Father Paul Hovenetz, the pastor of St. Justin Martyr Catholic Church, and I appreciate KSHJ Houston 1430. Truly, radio for your soul. See those little rays shining through? Burning everything they touch. Burning everything they touch. I have a sunburn. Destroying my lawn. I have not stepped outside, and yet I already have a sunburn. (laughs) (laughs) and no praise be to god i love the sun it's very beautiful and you know it's one thing that's interesting is going to other places and going out and it's like everywhere feels so nice leaving houston (laughs) it's so hot so if i go anywhere else they're like it's 90 degrees outside i'm like yeah, I had a little respite like that yesterday. It was 95 degrees at 7 p.m. And I said, Maria, let's go to the park. So we go to the park, and all of a sudden, a little tempest comes out and starts raining. The sun's out. It's raining. Incredible memory. Never forget that. There you go. There you go. She hates water, by the way. <laughs> she hates water? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's weird. So she was crying the whole way home. Aww. But it was a... Uh, it was a good experience. Oh, poor baby. A L- little respite from the heat. I love it. That's from the, uh, I think about that often, from the, the litany of the Holy Ghost. You know, huh. respite from the heat. Interesting. Interesting. That's something to keep in mind, I suppose, is uh, respite from the heat. The heat uh, being uh, the pressures of the world, right? The heat being the temptations, the oppressions, things pu- pushing us down. It's good to have a respite from all the things going on in our lives. It's just so much all the time. Now, you know, it's interesting. There was this article that I saw from Crisis Magazine. It was, men, do you want to be part of the church, impotent or the church militant? Hmm. And I thought that was an interesting question because, you know, it's it's interesting to see that many times uh, we have been told by the culture, and it's kind of almost cliche at this point because so many people have talked about it, but because we are involved in this world and we hear it all the time, it kind of feels like it's talked about a lot. But in the grand scheme of things, it's really not. And that's the idea that men are called to action. Men are called to be men. And everything in the culture tells us otherwise. I'm thinking about Barbie, which one did, what, $150 million on its opening night? Like That's a huge opening night. That's a massive opening night. And yet we see that what was the whole message behind the Barbie movie? It was anti-man. The whole movie was anti-man. It was saying that men are the bad guys, and the only way that women can be happy is if they set men aside, kick them to the curb, put them back in their box, and it was just a giant feminist charade. And I think that's very bad, because it tells men that if you want to be a good man, you need to be a weak man. You need to be a man who is not involved in things and you just need to turn over and just let women do whatever they want 
let the girl bosses do everything and you just i don't know make some money but really she's going to make most of the money anyway it's kind of it's a very perverted ordering of the family just kick up your feet on the ottoman play a little xbox play a little xbox hang out with the bros you know i mean have a couple ipas it really is. I mean, that's really, I mean, it's almost that way, except that if you did do that, then you would be labeled like a horrible man. So it's like, <laughs> it's, it's this cash 22, right? It's like they want the men to be like, okay, I want, the men should be working hard, taking care of the family, this and the other. Also, don't you dare have any rest, anything like that. But the women also are like, oh, but the girls need a spa day. They need self-help day. They also need to be girl boss. They also need to do this and also need to do that. And it's like, where is the proper ordering of the family? Yeah. I think a lot of it is unrealistic, to be honest with you, even on both sides. I mean, I've had this conversation with my good friend Jordan, you know, and even in the traditional Catholic sphere, we have these tropes, right? You see these images that people put up online. It's like the most perfect painting of a family at mass. Mm -hmm. And it's like, man, I'm not experiencing that at all. My kid's just running around all the time. We're doing our best to, to kind of teach her about reverence in God's house. And yeah, there's, there's, there's kind of these tropes that we get into, but most of the time it's on the other side. It's the other side that that's like, oh, well, let me just do everything. And none of that is realistic. Like, well, you know, I think what it is, is there are ideals, right? There are ideals. There are, there's the archetype. Yeah. And then you strive to go toward that ideal and you fail because we are human. We, we don't Mm -hmm. meet up to the standard. We rarely meet up to the standard. And I think that's really what we see. And so it's not like the, the ideal is bad. It's simply that, well, it's ideal. And we don't live in an ideal world. People have temperaments. Kids have temperaments. Kids act in certain ways. Um, so you may not actually get that ideal, but we should still strive for it. Yeah. And it's like, it's like there's the image of the perfect family rosary. Will that ever happen in your entire life? Probably not. <laughs> to this day, uh, with my family as a adult children, whenever we uh, try to pray a rosary as a family, it's still not know. the ideal family I rosary. Know, I, get, I get frustrated, <laughs> bro, because my life isn't a Norman Rockwell painting. I just I can't stand it. I need it to be a Norman Rockwell painting. And you know that's and that's that's a good though to have a that as a goal though, because at least if your if your goal is something so lofty. And so perfect, then if you miss, at least you're doing something good. And a wise man once said, aim for the moon and end up with the stars. Well, there you go. If you miss, you land among the stars. No, the, <laughs> it's, it's good, though. That's a good, that's a good uh, way to look at it because it's like, for instance, we look at the saints and we look at Our Lady and say, this is the image of the person I want to be. Um, I look at Our Lady and I say, I want to be... What, what is my goal in life? My goal in life is to be a man worthy of Our Lady. Is any man worthy of Our Lady? Was St. Joseph himself worthy of Our Lady? No. There is no man who ever lived except our Lord himself who is worthy of Our Lady. But should that mean that I should not strive to be the kind of man that is worthy of her? No, of course not. We should strive. She is the image of in which we want to conform ourselves is the reason why knights fight is the reason why we give devotion to the blessed virgin It's the reason why we can be men she's the image that woman that we first loved and i think that's something that was important to keep in mind that these ideals perfection as an idea these uh, quote-unquote unrealistic standards the world likes to say that like oh you're putting up unrealistic standards if we have 
unrealistic standards, well, that's good. Then we can say, let's try to get to them. Let's try to reach them. And if we fail, that's okay. That's okay. We get up. We keep trying. But remember, our Lord promised us. He commanded us, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And our Lord does not command us to do anything that is impossible. And so that means that we can do it by God's grace. Will we do it? Well, probably not. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't strive for it. That doesn't mean we should try and say, you know what? I give up. I'm just going to kick my feet back, relax, open up an IPA, pretend to like it, because no one actually likes IPAs. <laughs> it also, uh, yeah, it lowers your virility. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So maybe not open up an IPA. Don't do it. <laughs> maybe have a glass of whiskey instead. But this is a very good. This is a very good thing to do. It's a very good thing to keep in mind because during our time, you know, it's important to keep this in mind because in order to, we talked about this yesterday, iron sharpens iron. And if you want to foster a manly society, a manly culture, it has to be done in community. And every man, a very good Catholic man, has this idea. They want they to be able to provide for their family. They don't want their wife to work. They want their wife to be able to stay home with the kids. And, of course, that's ideal. Uh, but given the circumstances, sometimes the wife may have to work part-time or may have to do something. Ideally, that's not the case. And if you, if your wife has to work because of your circumstance, it's, it's not something to say, like, okay, well, I'm failing as a, as a man, failing as a father, failing as to my family. But instead, well, this is the ideal. We're heading that direction. And hopefully we'll be able to get there at some point. And that's okay. That's okay. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. I think that's important to keep in mind, too, that we have to strive for ideals. We want to be men. We want to be authentically Catholic men and women, living according to the standards of the church and of God and of Our Lady. But whenever we fail, whenever we don't reach those standards, it's not something that we have to say. We have to condemn ourselves over, something that we have to scourge our backs into their bloody because we're like, oh, no, I'm, I've, I've not reached that goal um, but the answer is I haven't reached that goal yet. I haven't reached that goal yet. I can I can reach that goal. I will reach that goal, but just not yet. And that's okay. I think it's important to keep in mind um, many people struggle with that, and I think it's okay. I think it's good. Now, in the article from Crisis Magazine, uh, Tanqueray is quoted, his uh, book, The Spiritual Life. It used to be a manual for um, for seminarians on the moral life, mystical, ascetical theology. He's quoted here. He says, men of conviction among the laity need to let their light shine before men. It is for such select souls to infuse into the more timid Christians the courage to fight the tyranny of human respect, of fashion, and of legalized persecution. The best means of affecting this is to band together into societies that influ those influential laymen who have the courage of their convictions and who fear neither to speak nor to act accordingly. What is this saying? This is telling you, if you have the courage, if you are a man who is formed correctly, is strong, recognize that it's, it is humble to recognize that that is you. And if that man is you, well, in that case, encourage your brothers Teach your brothers. I was bringing this up to David Magianis the other day. He was saying how at his That Man Is You group, he is mostly, he said, he said, I'm the youngest man in my group. 
and I'm in my 50s. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. He's like, yeah, we're starting to have members die of old age. That was me discerning the priesthood. I was going to the discernment groups. I'm like, I'm the youngest guy here. And, and, this is, and this is something that to keep in mind. And so I told him, I was like, okay, how do you draw young people in? He's like, I don't know, food? I'm like, no. We can get food anywhere. I can go get food at a number of places. The way to draw young men to the group is to offer them something. To offer them something that they can't get somewhere else. What can they offer? Well, if you're old men, what you can offer is experience. Yeah. Like if if I had a group, if there was a group at church that said, "Hey, young men, we I have a guy here. He used to be a mechanic. Another guy here used to be a carpenter. This guy over here used to do finances. This guy over here used to do this. And every week we're gonna be teaching different skills to you young men. Oh my goodness, I'd be there in a heartbeat." Because so many of us have not learned these skills. I, even men who had great fathers. I had a great father. But my dad doesn't know how to do a lot of things like that. He wasn't taught those things. And so I wasn't taught those things. So how do I learn it? Well, you can. Do, I guess you could go to YouTube University. But it's always better to learn from someone who's a master at those things. And if you have lived your life, you're an old man, and you've done these things your entire life, teach someone else. Offer those skills to someone. I'll never forget the people, you know, in our life that stepped in when we became parents. And they're like, yeah, we've been through that. Here's the advice. Here's what you got to do. This is what we did when our baby was up at three in the morning for the fifth time, you know, of the night. Like, this is what you got to do. Check this or do that. It was incredible because it gave us hope. And I think that's what we need, right? I mean, when we look at... Uh, at our, our, uh, our, our vocation as men. We need to see other men who are successful and take some of their advice and kind of talk shop about what works and what doesn't work and where we're at and where we need to be. Now, the uh, ultimate answer to all these problems, the ultimate answer, the ultimate hope is that one day I will be king of Texas. <laughs> Rudy's like, I thought you were going to go oh, somewhere boy. else with that. <laughs> <laughs> and when I become king, everything will be in order. Our lady will be queen. Our Lord will be king. It'll be a wonderful time. Um, I'm just joking, only partially. But in reality, of course, our hope is in our Lord and our lady. Our hope is in our lady of Fatima and her message that in the end, her immaculate heart will triumph. The reign of Mary will be over the earth and it'll be good. It'll be good. Things will be really good. And so on that happy note, let's work out our salvation with fear and trembling because we're going to go into our fear and trembling game show and you could call in and be the winner. How could you be the winner? Well, all you got to do is pick up your phone and dial 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. Make sure you pick up the phone and dial that number because we're giving away one of the coolest prizes We've ever given away on Catholic Drive Time. So call in 877-757-9424-877-757-9424. We'll be right back with Fear and Trembling. One last time, that number, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back right after this. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Do you really believe in a secret catching away of the church called the rapture? The pages of your Bible are empty of that type of talk. So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, solid biblical doctrine is time-tested. This rapture idea got its wheels rolling by John Darby in about 1830. I mean, have you heard of a third coming? You know you haven't. Secondly, God's nature. There's no reasonable premise in Scripture, let alone in moral reasoning, for the results of a rapture scenario such as this. A Christian pilot is yanked, raptured, out of his jet, while scores of the remaining passengers who are not Christians violently crash to their death. Meanwhile, said pilot is basking in the presence of God. This is absurd, and believe me, this is preached day in and day out. Thirdly, bad fruit. The preacher at your church says, Tonight, don't you be left in that pew alone, while that person next to you gets raptured straight up into heaven. That, my friend, is folly with no foundation. Ever feel like life's just too busy and too much? There's constant noise, social life, traffic, work, paying bills. It just doesn't seem to let up. Well, maybe it's time for a change. See, God offers us relief and hope. So if you're feeling like you need more peace and less chaos, find your hope today. Begin at CatholicsComeHome.com. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could win. Now, you may be asking, what am I listening to? What's the game that I'm playing? Well, let me tell you what it is, because we're going to give away one of the coolest prizes I've ever seen in my life. Um, so before we tell you what that prize is, though, i got to tell you what the game is. The game is Fear and Trembling. We have three Catholic trivia questions here. And these three Catholic trivia questions, I'm not going to ask you the questions. No, I'm going to ask Rudy the questions. Rudy's going to give me an answer, and it's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. You'll have 15 seconds of the clock to give me your answer, and every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Woo! Praise be to God. The sponsor this week is our good friends Nick and Nelia. They just recently followed in the glorious footsteps of our Lord in the Holy Land, and they brought back some amazing goodies. Now, if you're watching us on our YouTube channel, you can take a look here. This is actually the prize. I'm holding it in my hands. And inside here, you might be wondering, what's in there? What's in that bag? Well, there's a bunch of different prizes. Among these things, a cashmere scarf, holy water from the River Jordan, a silver Jerusalem cross, a lot of amazing goodies from the Holy Land. And I just want to say thank you, Nick and Nelia, for providing us with this amazing gift. Keep them in your prayers today. Uh, I am very grateful to Nick and Nelia. They actually uh, got me a little bitty cross from the Holy Land. And I was like, um, would you be upset if I like um, traded? Traded? <laughs> uh, if I uh, gave away the cross as the prize? And then instead of that, if I gave, uh, if I kept the scarf 
and the stickers and, and the holy water. You know, cashmere is luxurious. He was telling me the holy the holy water there is not only for the uh, the it was not only that that the holy water was not just holy water. It was holy water from the Jordan River, and the Jordan River was they he got the water from the holy from the Jordan River because the Jordan River obviously it's it's a, just a regular river, but it's also a site where our Lord was baptized. But that water is itself not necessarily holy. It's a sacred site, but the water is not necessarily holy. So he actually mixed it with exercised water. And so it's uh, part exercised water, part water from um, the Jordan River. And so you can use it as holy water. And it's pretty cool to have a pseudo relic of our, of our Lord and John the Baptist and whoever else must have been baptized in those situations. Very, very cool situation. So if you're going to want to win that prize this week, make sure you call in 877-757-9424. And you can always go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. There you can always find our phone number because you're going to want to put us on speed dial and dial in first because this is one of the coolest prizes we've ever given away. But joining us right now is Mary Rita. Good morning, Mary Rita. Good morning. And where are you calling in from? Alito. Alito, Alito, Texas. Oh wow! What's Alito known for? Um, state championship Bearcat football. Nice. Well, there you go. Praise be to God. That's pretty awesome. Uh, I guess um, we got some good uh, local football there. There's good uh, little league football. High school. High school. Okay. High school football. Mary, last time you called. Well, there's good little league too. Oh, we oh, love okay. little league football. Mary, last time you called, somebody had a wonderful joke. I can't remember who said it, but uh, I'm going to repeat it here. I love to start my day off with a Mary Rita. It's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> so, last time I called, my daughter was on the verge of graduating from um, vet school. And nice. now she's on the verge of getting married. Hey, oh, praise be to God. Praise be to God. Wonderful. Good morning. I called from Mississippi a couple months ago. That's right. Nice. From Mississippi. That's right. Because we were like, we're just going to mark you down as a Mississippi caller. Yeah. Uh, we just want to have that on the board. Uh, that's pretty awesome. Praise be to God. That's amazing. So th- this weekend she's getting married. Wow. Praise, praise be to God. God. Well, prayers for your daughter. Oh, what's her name? Sarah. Sarah. So prayer for Sarah and her husband. Michael. Prayers for Sarah and Michael. Michael. Praise be to God. What a great opportunity to uh, to get some uh, new Catholic families in. Those I'll get those children churned out. Some holy families. Praise be to God. Baptized. Oh man. So you're gonna be a be a grandma. Is this your first time being a grandma? Yeah. Praise be to God. Hopefully that's they're doing things in the right order. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Hopefully in the next year we get a call, uh, Grandma Mary Rita. That'd be great. Yep. Amen. All right, Marita. You know how the game is played. You know how to play. You're, are you ready to play? Sure. Let's do it. Let's jump in. Question number one, Rudy. I'm ready. Are you sure? Um. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's the I question. I mean, I was sure until you asked me if I was sure, and now um, I'm not so sure. Oh, well, this is not good because the question here is pretty difficult. The question is, with what law does the Catholic Church govern? Some would say with an iron fist. Mm. The Catholic Church governs with a piece of iron, oh, also wow. known as a cannon. Wow. 
Yeah, so, so if you disagree uh, with the church, I mean, it used to be, this was uh-huh. before the council, they would actually point a cannon at you. Oh, wow. Until you recanted. And so that's referred to as? The cannon. The cannon. Yeah. If, little known fact, too, you know, here in Texas, you know, we have that flag that has a cannon on it and uh-huh. says, come and take it. That's actually. It's in reference to, to- oh! <laughs> the Vatican's cannon. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a little bit of Catholic history here in Texas. Very cool, very cool. All right, Mary Rita, I don't know about you. I don't know if you grew up in Texas and got some Texas history classes, but we'll see. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock. The question is, what law does the church, does the Catholic church govern? Rudy seems to think it's called the canon. Um, What say you, Mary Rita? It is canon law, but it's not a canon that you shoot anything <laughs> from. <laughs> she got it. That, that is correct. Uh, could not be tricked. She's like, hmm, this is a tricky question. I'm just going to give him the correct answer because uh, it is correct. It is canon law. It does not have anything to do now, with cannonballs. Asterisk, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> the, the word cannon refers to a measuring stick. Yes. So it's something that is a, a, a measure in which something is measured out. And so if you have the canon of scripture, it's the scripture that is measured out to. Um, and so, no, we have a, it's nothing to do with cannonballs and nothing to do with Texas history. No, that's only for when we canonize somebody, which is when we right. put them in the cannon. The can- <laughs> right, exactly. Then you launch it like the circus. Exactly. Right, okay. Yeah. All right. Is that clear as mud, Mary Rita? Yeah. All right. Uh, ready for question number two? Absolutely. Let's do it. In what year, Rudy, did mm-hmm. St. Maximilian Colby, or some might say Colby, Colby, found the Militia Immaculata? I'm sensing a theme here. Cannons, militias. All right, so St. Maximilian Kolbe founded the Militia Immaculata, which you should join, by the way, in 1917. 1917. You yeah. know something else cool happened in 1917? He invented Kolbe cheese. Oh, really? Yeah. Kolbe cheese was invented by Max Kolbe. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. All right, Mary Rita. Um, two questions for you. One, did Kolbe invent Kolbe <laughs> cheese? <laughs> no, just kidding. Don't answer that question. 15 seconds on the clock. The question is, in what year did St. Maximilian Kolbe found the Militia Immaculata? Rudy seems to think it's 1917. What say you, Mary Rita? Well, that's plausible, so I'm going to go with correct because he died in World War II. All right. She's going to go with correct. She says the answer is yes. And that is correct, Marita. Can't steer go. her wrong. Cannot trick her. And you know what else happened in 1917, Marita? Fatima. Our Lady oh, of Fatima. She got, it. she got it. She's going Woo! in another time. You get there an extra go. entry for that one. Yeah, so 1917, Our Lady of Fatima had the, the miracle of the sun. Praise be to God. What an awesome grace. Way to go, Mary Rita. That wasn't even the trivia. Like, I was just like asking to see if you knew, and it blew it out of the park. I didn't, I don't even need to ask Rudy these questions. I could just ask you. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, we'll ask Rudy the third question. Are you ready, Mary Rita? Sure. Let's do it. Question number three, Rudy. I'm ready. Now, this question could be tricky. There's a couple qu- answers here that I'm like, okay, that's a plausible answer. But there's only one correct <laughs> answer. There's only one okay. correct answer. What book has the greatest influence on Western civilization? All right. So it's a book by a good pal of ours. His name is Carl. 
Carl. Last name Marx. Marx. The Communist Manifesto. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's Look it. around, people. It's everywhere. You notice anything? That's so true. So true. I thought you were going to say Harry Potter, but that's the same <laughs> thing, though. <laughs> no, that was his cousin. That's his cousin. All right, Mary Rita, 15 seconds on the clock. What book has the greatest influence on Western civilization? Rudy seems to think it's The Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx. What say you, Mary Rita, from Oledo, Texas? I would say it's actually the Bible. She's going to say it's the Bible. That is, in fact, correct. So true. That is the correct answer. It is, in fact, the Bible. Uh, Could not trick you, not even for a little bit. Very impressed. Expert. A real theologian. I'm I'm noticing. I'm noticing this. How do you feel, Mary? It's called listening. It's great. I mean, it's called listening to Catholic radio. There you go. Praise be to God. Just listen to Catholic radio, and you too can be as smart as Mary Rita. Uh, But God bless you, Mary Rita. God, and we'll be praying for Sarah and was Michael? Michael. Sarah Sarah and Michael. Michael. We'll be praying for Sarah and Michael that they have a beautiful and holy marriage. Uh, But stay on the line. We're going to put you on hold. All right, thank you. All right, putting you on hold. And that's going to do it for the radio side. If you can join us in the after show, we'd love to have you. Hop on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, Twitter. You can chat with us right there, and we'd love to chat with you. So make sure you hop on with us, and we'd love to go over whatever it is you want to talk about. We'd love love to do that. But if not, we'll see you back here, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network and catholic spirit radio god bless you god love you remember christ is risen truly he is risen alleluia alleluia thank you for joining us on your catholic drive time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired join us monday through friday at the same time right here on your favorite catholic radio station don't forget to connect with us just go to Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. And we're back. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. ...of the SALT community. For more information, visit salt.net or ourladyofcorpuschristi.org. Today we celebrate the Feast of St. James. This holy sacrifice of the Mass is being offered for all those listening in on the Guadalupe Radio Network and all of our online viewers. Lift high the cross, the love of Christ proclaim, till all the world adore his sacred name. Come, brethren, follow where our captain trod, our king victorious. 
Christ, the Son of God, lift high the cross, the love of Christ proclaim, till all the world adore his sacred name. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Gloria in excelsis Deo. Et in terra pax hominibus, bone voluntatis, laudamus te, benedicimus te, adoramus te, glorificamus te, gratias agimus tibi, propter maniam gloriam tuam, Domine Deus Rex Celestis, Deus Pater Omnipotens, Domine Fili Unigenite, Iesu Christe, Domine Deus Agnus Dei, Filius Patris, Quitolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Quitolis peccata mundi, suscipete precazionem nostram. Qui sedes ad exteram patris, Miserere nobis, quoniam tu solus sanctus, tu solus dominus, tu solus altissimus, Iesu Christe, cum sancto spiritu, in gloria Dei Patris. Amen. Let us pray. 
Almighty ever-living God, who consecrated the first fruits of your apostles by the blood of St. James, grant, we pray, that your Church may be strengthened by his confession of faith and constantly sustained by his protection. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, we hold this treasure in earthen vessels, that the surpassing power may be of God and not from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not constrained, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, caring about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being given up to death for the sake of Jesus, so that in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since then we have the same spirit of faith. According to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We too believe and therefore speak, knowing that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and place us with you in his presence. Everything indeed is for you, so that the grace bestowed in abundance on more and more people may cause the thanksgiving to overflow for the glory of God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Those who sow in tears shall reap rejoicing. Those who sow in tears shall reap rejoicing. When the Lord brought back the captives of Zion, we were like men dreaming. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with rejoicing. Those who sow in tears shall reap rejoicing. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are indeed glad. Those who sow in tears shall reap rejoicing. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the torrents in the southern desert. Those that sow in tears shall reap rejoicing. Those who sow in tears shall reap rejoicing. Although they go forth weeping, carrying seed to be sown, they shall come back rejoicing, carrying their sheaves. Those who sow in tears shall reap rejoicing. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. I chose you from the world to go and bear fruit that will last, says the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. The mother of the sons of Zebedee approached Jesus with her sons and did him homage, wishing to ask him for something. He said to her, What do you wish? She answered him, Command that these two sons of mine sit, one at your right 
and the other at your left in your kingdom? Jesus said in reply, You do not know what you are asking. Can you drink the chalice that I am going to drink? They said to him, We can. He replied, My chalice you will indeed drink, but to sit at my right and my left, this is not mine to give, but is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. When they ten heard this, they became indignant with the two brothers. But Jesus summoned them and said, You know that rulers of Gentiles lord it over them, and great ones make their authority over them felt. But it shall not be so among you. Rather, whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just so the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The holy apostles, the twelve apostles of the Lamb, are the foundation of the holy city of God, the foundation of the church. Jesus didn't write his gospel on a book. He wrote it on the hearts of these ten of these twelve apostles. And as part of their proclamation, uh, they wrote some of it down. But the, the greatest thing is the theme every time you celebrate the blessed apostles is twofold. It is always the misery of humanity and the mercy of God. These this uh, particular apostle, the proto-martyr St. James, he was the first martyr of apostles. He was the very first apostle who was martyred. And he was a great, uh, Jesus called him Boanderous, means, meaning son of thunder. Him and St. John, they were brothers, and they were very, very zealous. In fact, you read the book, any of the books of John or James, and you just feel the power. You can almost hear the, the roar of mighty waters. And so it wasn't a mistake. It wasn't kind of a impetuous of the mother of John and, and James to come up and, and ask. She was probably where they got their fire from. So she's just being, she's just recognizing that there is a fire in her two sons. And she's just trying to figure out what that means. You know, she's trying to secure a place with Jesus. And anyone who has been chosen by God and manifests gifts of God for the preaching of the gospel has this kind of struggle. It's a struggle between humility and the fact that God chose you, which is pretty exalting. The fact that God chose me. I don't think I will ever recover from the fact that God chose me. Every day I'm, I kind of, I remember one, one day I was looking in the mirror and I, I remember just saying, I can't believe you baptized that, that sack of bones in the mirror, this sack of potatoes. I can't believe that God baptized, he chose me. I still haven't gotten over the novelty. It's, it's such an amazing thing to be chosen by God, to be loved by God. And so John and James are rightly trying to figure it out, but Jesus reminds us that this predestination of who's living at the, living at the right and left hand of, you know, right there at the, the, the side of, of God in heaven, who sits on, on the throne next to Jesus, is not about 
him doing anybody any favors. It's about how deeply they participate in the Paschal mystery, and that's something that is predestined by God. And recently I was reflecting with an interesting apostle of one of my favorite disciples, my mother. We have these conversations, and we're reflecting on how much the two of us in the past couple years have suffered. It's kind of weird to see the different strange crosses that we've been given in the past couple years. They've been very deep. And you, you tend to wonder, well, like, what's going on? Well, the participation in the Paschal mystery is being chosen by God. You want to know how you're chosen by God? You've got a cross. And you've got something to offer. You've got something to give. That cross, that suffering that God has chosen you for, or rather, the love that you have shown that makes you worthy to bear that kind of weight, is God sh telling you, you are called to this kind of sanctity. When we pray and ask the holy apostles, especially St. James, who suffered his martyrdom, that we may answer this call. And it is only through purification that a chosen person comes to be able to offer their gift truly before God. May Mary, Queen of the Apostles, pray for us that we can do this with joy and apostolic zeal. We bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church, that it may shine forth as the holy light of the nations. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests, through the intercession of St. James, that they may be faithful to Christ. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for government leaders. They pass laws in keeping with the natural law. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the success of the new evangelization and for the new modern means of communication, for this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For all of our beloved dead, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask you to hear us, for make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ and through the powerful intercession of Mary, Queen of the Apostles, as we pray. Hail, Hail Mary, Mary, full, full of, of grace, grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Take up your cross, the Savior said, If you would my disciple be, Deny yourself, the world forsake, And humbly follow after me. Take up your cross, be not ashamed, let not disgrace your spirit fill, for God himself endured to die upon a cross on Calvary's hill. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Cleanse us, Lord, by the saving baptism of your son's passion, so that on the feast of St. James, whom you will to be first among the apostles to drink of Christ's chalice of suffering, 
we may offer sacrifice pleasing to you through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for you, Eternal Shepherd, do not desert your flock, but through the blessed apostles, watch over it and protect it always, so that it may be governed by those you have appointed shepherds to lead it in the name of your Son. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncelia Terra, Gloria Tua, Osana in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Osana in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope, Michael our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray but with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be coerced to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. 
O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Proceptus salutaribus moniti et divin institutioni formati, audehemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, Sanctifice tuum nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celum et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et emitem nobis emita nostra, Sicut et nos emitimus, debit odibus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed liberanos abahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, and by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity, in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. On you stay. Qui tulis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Onius Dei, qui tulis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Onius Dei, qui tulis peccata mundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. Communion Antiphon, they drank the chalice of the Lord and became the friends of God. For those who cannot receive sacramental Holy Communion at this time, we pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally. Come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. O Jesus, we adore thee who in thy love divine 
Conceal thy mighty Godhead in forms of bread and wine. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, all praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thine. O Jesus, we adore thee, our victim and our priest, whose precious blood and body become our sacred feast. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, all praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thine. Let us pray. Help us, O Lord, we pray, through the intercession of the blessed Apostle James, on whose feast day we have received with joy your holy gifts, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, sing to Jesus, His the scepter, His the throne. Alleluia, His the triumph, His the victory alone. Hark the songs of peaceful Zion Thunder like a mighty flood Jesus out of every nation Hath redeemed us by his blood Alleluia, not as orphans are we left in sorrow now. Alleluia, he is near us, faith believes nor questions how. Though the cloud from sight received him when the forty days were over. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. 
Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Father Preston Cantella from Our Lady of Perpetual Health.